you're listening to the City Lights Podcast, where we are equipping you to exalt Jesus and extend the kingdom of heaven right where you are. Thanks for joining us. Anybody in here um, been to anger management? Have, have, have anybody here been triggered before, like been upset about something small that you probably shouldn't have been that upset about, hung on to it for a little bit longer than you should have, you know, gotten yourself worked up about something small? Like, you know, have you ever been triggered before? Just something real small can be, make you big angry, big emotional, hang with you longer than it probably should, probably more than you like to admit. I, uh, I take uh, intramural basketball, church basketball, a little bit more seriously than I should. Confession, pastoral confession right here on Sunday morning. And uh, I, I, I own compression pants, okay? So it's pretty serious. Uh, those are those like tights that, you know, some guys, if their wives don't notice, they run outside and go jogging in these things. You shouldn't do that. I always wear shorts. So you can respect me as a pastor for that reason. But I still, I wear the compression pants. I have a pair of Steph Curry Under Armour shoes. I take basketball pretty seriously. And, uh, and so one time I was over there at Brooklyn playing um, church league basketball, and there is a guy that's on my team, and he's probably about 5'6", and he is a player coach. Okay, so I'm going to break that down for you guys. You guys know what a player is. Everybody knows what a coach is. But what's going on in an intramural basketball league is that some guys get out there playing, and they're there to coach you how to play. They want to tell you, how, they, 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 they know how to play. It's, it's Coach Shusevsky out there, but he's 5'7", he's playing point guard with the knee braces on, and he's telling everybody else, what they ought to be doing, okay? So you got a player coach. So I got a player coach on my team. So you guys have played one of these guys. And he's not a runner. He doesn't want to run. He just wants to dribble. He wants to shoot. He doesn't want to play defense, but he wants to coach. And so he's up here chewing on his gum. He's dribbling his basketball. And every single play, this literally goes, cut, cut. Why you ain't cut, cut, cut. And it's like what he's saying. And every time that it works, he'll be like excited about it. Like, I told you, I told you to cut. But if it doesn't work, he'll be like, I told you to cut. How come you didn't cut? You were wide open, go cut. Like that was literally his only play. It was called the cut play. And so uh, I was pretty frustrated with this guy. He was kind of like, you know, calling out stuff like this. And I kept my cool. I didn't really say anything. And I got home and then I realized that I was triggered. You guys ever been triggered before? Something small that shouldn't have made you upset because you're 34 and you're a pastor. You shouldn't get upset, but you do get upset about it anyways. And you hang on to it longer than you should. And so I go back home to Kyra and I'm like in process mode for like an arm like Kyra. He kept telling me to cut. He was a player's coach. He should have just kept playing. He wasn't playing defense. He was bossing everybody else around. He was a player's coach. He should have just been playing. And for like an hour, I had to process the thing. I cannot believe for an hour this guy is like under my skin because we are people that can be triggered. We can, we can take something that's really small and make it bigger than it needs to be, hang on to it longer than it ever needs to be, and our emotions kind of get the best of us, even though we know that we shouldn't be thinking about things like this, uh, we do. Now, there's a quote that's up on the screen that comes out of Ephesians 6 that many of you guys have heard of before. It's super important when it comes to our spiritual walk and when it comes to high emotions like this that Paul kind of pierces us with a little bit of truth when we get triggered in moments like this. And this is what he tells us on the screen. He explains to us that our struggle, our, our, our annoyances, the things that stop our day, the things that get in our way, the things that we're not upset about or we get unsettled about, the things we get triggered about, he says uh, the, the things that you're getting upset, they're actually uh, distractions from what the real issue is, is what he's saying. It's just like you're out here and you're playing basketball and you think you're mad at the player coach, but there's something else more than that that isn't, really about basketball at all. There's something that's going on behind basketball. There's, there's a battle, is what he's going to say, that's going on. It's small things, big things, annoying things, uh, life-changing things, but nonetheless, there are things in our life that we battle, and what he's trying to tell us in this last chapter about inheritance is that uh, our battle is not with five foot eight people. It feels like it is. It feels like they're oppositional to us. It feels like they're antagonistic with us, but he's saying, no, look, your battle is not with people. 
Your struggle is not with people. Your struggle is not with the budget. Your struggle is not with the bills. Your struggle is not with the boss. The struggle is not with people. In fact, your struggle isn't even manifested. It's not, it's not tangible. It's with the spiritual things in your life that you're having struggles with. When you're struggling at, on Monday, you know, with something that somebody said or a text message or something that somebody put on Facebook that's got you all worked up, you're not looking really at Facebook. You're looking at something that you can't even see. And he says the struggle is with things like rulers, okay, authorities, uh, powers of the dark world, things that you can't see, kind of spiritual influences that manifest themselves in all sorts of ways, okay? And he says uh, these things are called spiritual forces of evil that exist in the heavenly realms. And... Um, and these are, these are the things that actually represent the struggle and warfare that we have. But then he says this, this is good news for us, that God has not left us alone in struggles of spiritual nature. Um, God, he says, he gives us a full armor that we can wear. So in verse 13, we'll pick it up there. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, he says to stand. So again, Paul's saying that the struggles we have, they're not circumstantial, they're spiritual. And our struggle is not so much with our kids and not so much with our spouse and not so much with our circumstances. Those things are perpetual. They always happen. We're never gonna win continually all these battles. There's always gonna be trouble. In this life, you'll have trouble. But the struggle... The, the, the battles that we have, they're not circumstantial, they're spiritual, and they happen more in here than they do out here. So you'll notice as we go on this morning, he's going to point to a couple of different um, body parts of the human anatomy that he's going to use to represent our spiritual body. They're going to represent, like our heart's not just going to be, you know, the thing that's in our chest. Our heart represents kind of the seat of emotion in our life. The mind, you know, between the ears is not just the cerebral omongata or whatever that thing is. It's, it's, the, it's the place where we make decisions, where wisdom meets decision. And our, our loins, forgive me, parents, it's the secret places and the private places of our life that aren't shared with others. These are kind of this spiritual analogy. So Paul is teaching us this morning that our, our, our battles are not with out there, but they're actually in here. Our battles are not circumstantial. They are spiritual. And spiritual battles actually don't happen with the stuff that's out here. They seem like tension and strife and stress and political discord that they're happening out here. But really, he's saying the struggle and the battle is inside. So here's the quote of the day. This is where we can catch our focus. Paul is instructing us that the battles of our life are not, in fact, circumstantial. There's a, there's a discipline that's going to take me to reshift my paradigm when I read verses like this that, okay, when the mother-in-law comes in the house, the struggle is not with family members. It's actually there's a spiritual smokescreen going on. So I got I to gotta pass that. I got to understand that. And that actually the spiritual drama, the stuff that I think the win-lose battle that's going on that I, that I sense I don't feel right is actually not out here. You know where it is? It's right in here. The spiritual battle that Paul is giving us an armor for, it doesn't exist in controlling outside. The Holy Spirit gives us a fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control, because it's really inside of myself that the battle happens. The battle's not happening in the circumstances. The battle's happening inside of me, and he's giving me a strength to overcome it. Now, let's pretend just for once, humor me as a preacher, okay? Just for once, like as though we're a spirit-filled church. I want you to turn to your neighbor next to you and say, it's an inside job. Can you say that for me? 
This is like, I'm never going to do this again, but I just wanted to, I saw T.D. Jakes do it one time, I wanted to do it. Turn your neighbor and say, it's an inside job. Have you ever seen a movie before where the cop comes out and says, the, the robbery's been too clean? It, they knew exactly where the, the, the trips were. They knew where the security cameras were. This, is, this job's too good. What do they say? The cop says, it must have been an inside job. Sometimes I think that we think the enemy is really powerful, really strong, and that he's a, a killer and a robber, and he can come in the middle of the night and just take things from us. Maybe that's the case, but I think nine times out of ten, I give him things rather than he takes them from me. Because I know my way around in my heart, and I just give him access to things. I'm like, let me go ahead and open this Pandora's worm and just start talking about some stuff, and not really have any truth in it, and just sort of wander down this path and let somebody, uh, and let, the, let whoever wants to talk into it, talk into it. And I'm my own worst enemy because I'm an inside person. Because the battle's on the inside. You know that. Husband full of strength, full of the spirit, he's got no problem in his home loving his, his kids. It's not a deficit of kids. It's a deficit of spirit. It's a deficit of truth. It's a deficit of, of, of pig butt is what we're talking about this morning in worship, right? The, of seeing that God's doing the work inside of me that I don't need to be doing the work. God's doing the work and that's where we come into this place of, of strength. And so this is what we see as the antidote to the thing. And so if we were fighting a circumstantial battle, like if it was about me getting rich and prosperous and overcoming all of my problems, if it was about the circumstance, like if that's what needed to change for me to have peace, then the scripture would have said, trust not in the Lord, trust in MasterCard, Visa, and horses. It would say trust in circumstantial things, but it doesn't say that, right? It says, no, we're going to trust in the Lord because the battle isn't circumstantial, it's spiritual. And so spiritual battles need to be won by spiritual strength. And so this is what the promise is. It comes right out of the beginning of Ephesians 6, verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord is the prescription. He identifies the problem, but then he puts the solution right there in our hands. He says, so the battle isn't a problem. You don't need to think about it because you just know where the battle is. Don't fight the wrong battles. Fight the right battles instead. And then ask for the right weapons from the right person and be strong in the Lord. I, I, I had a friend of mine. Her name is Lola. She prays for every lunch like T.D. Jakes. Oh, Lord. I mean, she's on it. She's, she's just blessing the dog. Proverbs 6.10 says a man blesses us with beef. We bless Penny. I'm like, don't even bless Penny because Penny has something in her. We need to get something cast out of Penny before we bless Penny. We just bless Penny. She's praying for the dog. She's praying for the security system. She's praying for the light. I mean, she is a 60 year old prayer woman of God, and she has more spiritual strength than almost anyone I've met. She has spiritual strength, which is different from material strength. She has a spiritual strength inside of her. She's a woman that if you ever met her before, you would know her when she walked in. She's about 5'2", carries the strength of the Lord. One time she was in a church service, and she saw a woman across the church that had murdered her sister. And without hesitation, she, she approached the woman after the service and says, you don't know me, but I know you. My name is Lola. You've murdered my sister. And I want to let you know that I free you, forgive you, and release you in Jesus' name. By the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven. You are set free and saved. The woman, the woman fell down flat and wept. Okay, the strength of the Lord, if you don't know what it is, the strength of the Lord makes somebody's heart soft but makes their skin tough. Because if you have tough skin but you've got a tough heart, you're not winning with the Lord. Soft heart, soft skin, that's not where we're at. We're talking about a strength of the Lord. May our, heart, may our hearts be, be soft. May our hearts be big. We never stop laughing, never stop crying, but let's be tough too. Let's be strong in the Lord. Let's fight for those that we love. This is the, the, the wonderful balance that no other type of strength can give us. And there's lots of other types of strength. This is why it has to qualify that it's strength in the Lord. It's not strength in Visa. It's not strength in debit cards. 
There's a strength that comes to you when you have all your ducks in a row, when you have a a perfect picture, like your tasks are all checked off. That's a strength. But what Paul is saying is that's a counterfeit strength. That's not the real strength. That's not the strength that's going to last you. That's not the strength that's going to endure because when the next thing comes up on your task list, guess what? That's the kryptonite to your strength. And so your strength isn't going to be strong anymore. And there's a strength that comes when, you're, when you feel like you're, you're creative. There's a strength that comes out of you feeling creative, like I've created something that nobody has ever created before, or I, I wrote a song, or I'm different from somebody else, and I have this great idea. He's like, don't trust in that strength. That strength's going to last as long as your idea is new. No, trust in the Lord. When you have that outfit on, you know you're just feeling yourself that day. There's a swagger about your, your, your walk. And Paul's with the Holy Spirit saying to us, don't trust in that. That's not going to last as long as that shoe stays clean and as long as that outfit stays uh, relevant is as long as that strength says, oh, don't, 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 don't trust in that strength. Trust in the strength of the Lord that makes your heart soft and your skin tough. Trust day by day. Look to, to where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. Trust in his strength. This is where strength is. And so this passage, as we look through it, I think is going to give us some equipping this morning. If you're not familiar with the Lord or the strength of the Lord, I think there's great access. And the good news is, even if you don't have any money for it, you can walk out of this room with the strength of the Lord for free. And every battle that you've ever faced or will fight in the future, it already will be won in Jesus' name because he is stronger than our circumstance. What we're learning from Ephesians this morning is that the circumstance is not the problem. The spiritual battle is the problem. And the weapon we have in our hands is stronger than the battle that that confronts us. And so we've already won it in Jesus' name. So here are a couple of things that we see that we're equipped with this morning. Ephesians 6.13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after that, after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Can you picture it? The breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So he gives us this imagery to see unseen things. He's not saying go off to TJ Maxx and buy a on sale you know, costume of, a, of a King Arthur's Camelot with a breastplate and a belt. He's saying spiritually speaking, I've got to give you an analogy to see what you can't see. And so what he's saying is that there's these There's these feet of peace, okay? There's this belt of truth, and there's this breastplate of righteousness which protects your heart, and the truth is what's going to gird around your your waist area and protect your heart from all sorts of problems. I went to the dentist this last week. The dentist makes me tense. I feel myself getting tense as I walk into the dentist. I don't know why I'm afraid. I've been to the dentist plenty of times. I got teeth problems. Y'all know me. I have a teeth issue. I'm in there for two hours. They got a needle. Uh, I don't even want to tell you. Some of you guys might faint out the size of this needle. And they popped that thing in my mouth, and it was like just Bill Cosby. I just sounded on my Voxer, inebriated the whole day before equipment provider. I said, I'm not drunk in the spirit. I just want to let you know that my mouth is under Novocaine problems. And so I'm in there for like two hours, and it took me 45 minutes. And I don't know if you've ever felt this feeling before. It took me 45 minutes to where I realized that for the last three hours, I've been like this, like my neck disappeared because I've been so tense. I'm like, ah, and I get out and finally, like, oh, man, I've been, I'm intense. This happens all the time, I think, not just from the dentist chair, but from life. You get home at 545 and you're like, where'd my neck go? I've been tense all day. You're kicking the dog and you're all upset. And finally your wife's like, what, what the heck's going on with you? And you're like, ah, oh, I had a cavity. I totally forgot. I like forgot to take a deep breath. Usa. 
You know, like you can carry this tenseness. You don't even know you're tense. You don't know why you're tense. You're just tense. You have anxiety. You have no idea what it is. And you go from, from, from 745 to 445, and you don't realize that something that happened to you, even small, triggered you so much that from 745 to 545, you carried something that you weren't supposed to carry. I had a pastor one time giving great advice. You guys ready for this? I'm going to give this one to you for free. He said, he said to this, he said, if you, if you ever notice that you're missing peace in your life, okay, that's not Jesus, because Jesus said, I give you my peace. I give you my peace. It's for free. You should be walking with peace all the time. And he said, if you ever recognize that you don't have peace in your life, I want you to go back to the place that you lost your peace because that's the place you laid down a truth for a lie. Somewhere along the line, you picked up a phone call and instead of hanging it up and taking truth with you, you left the truth behind and took the lie with you from 745 to 445. So you're locked up, just locked up. Your heart is not protected. You got all sorts of things going on in your heart. And, and, and the deal is, is that if you, if you know where your peace is, it, it's got to be rooted in truth. And so this is what I think I see out of this whole armor of God thing. It's like life is dangerous. There will be trouble. I give you my peace. Jesus took kids, Jesus took disciples into the storm. He's going, I'm not afraid of the storm that's outside of you. I just don't want to have that storm inside of you. So this is what I think we realize is that he wouldn't give us a weapon he wasn't preparing us to fight a battle with. And this is the quote I think the armor of God teaches us something really profound. You guys ready? The armor of God teaches us the safety that we enjoy, it isn't in protecting our heart from hard circumstances, but filling it with truth. He's not afraid of you going into difficult, stressful situations. He went into those things all the time. Never lost his peace, but he was in difficult situations all the time. Peace isn't circumstantial. Peace isn't the truth. is in the heart. So where, where do you get peace from? From truth. From the belt of truth. How did my heart get all turned upside down? Because I didn't believe in truth. I, I took that lie with me. I, I carried that lie. And so, and so he gives us this truth. Let me just read a couple truths over you if you don't know some of these truths. Let me just give you a few for free. Uh, I think it's up here a few slides back, but strength of the Lord doesn't come from trying harder. It's seeing the truth clear. Here's a couple of truths. You're made by God right now. One thing I want you to let you know, if you have anxiety, it's not because of your mother-in-law. It's because you forgot you're made by God. You have a purpose over your life. You're known. You're named. You have fingers because he has fingers. He likes you. You have a purpose. There's nobody who is made like you. And your day is on purpose, and he's doing something powerful in your life. And so every obstacle is just an opportunity. you got to switch the way you're seeing things. You're priceless. You're worth more than money because you're worth the death of Jesus, and he's not going to let you slip through his fingers. So, so trust in him. Trust in the process. Know that he, if, it's not, if, it's, if it's not happened yet, you know, like it's going to happen because God is good. And if it's not good, it's not over yet. Lastly, you are one of a kind, one, and you're, made, you're writing a one of a kind story. There's, there's things in your life that other people need to hear. And if you're not, not able to, to walk through and chronicle the story of God in your life, you're going to not only miss a blessing for yourself, but miss a blessing for somebody else. We have to start seeing the paradigm shift in, my, in, in our lives. And so in the basketball gym, look, it's like, of course people are disrespectful. Like, what did I expect? That's the truth. He told me, like, why am I upset? This, of course people that are hurt are going to hurt people. Of course people are confused and, and disconnected. But he reminds you, it's like, I forgave you seven times, 77 times. It's, it's your job to forgive 77 times. And, and it's not quitting basketball or going to play football that's going to solve my problem. It's, it's rooting myself in truth. I'm not here for this guy's approval. I can afford to have a bad reputation and look dumb in front of other guys at a church ball game. It doesn't matter. The one who sees me, the only one that died for me, the one that saved me, his opinion might matter. 
Player coach doesn't matter. His opinion doesn't matter. So I'm free of him. Now I can love him freely. He can't control me. I'm not a slave to his opinion. I'm not, I don't have fear of man. I walk into this thing with strength. And you recognize how truth doesn't rescue you from danger. It sends you into it with safety. It's a totally different paradigm that spiritual warfare takes place. The battle is inside of you. It's already won in the strength of the Lord. It continues on. He says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. I learned this week from my daughter, who I'm learning more and more from my daughter, that Captain America's shield is actually made from vibranium, which is from Black Panther's like homeland, which is crazy. Captain America's shield is amazing because it's like defensive, but he throws it and he'll like hit somebody in the, in the back of the neck and knock them out or whatever. Um, on these Marvel movies, his shield is actually a defense and an offense. And I bring that up because I see a lot of relevance in this, pa- in this passage. You understand, it says the shield of faith, it's almost like an oxymoron. Because th- think about it this way. We did a whole entire study on faith. And what did we learn each and every single time that you saw the word faith written in the Bible? Faith without works is death. Faith is not belief. Faith is action. You can believe on a couch, but, action, but faith gets you off the couch. Faith can't exist until there's action involved. And so what I almost hear him saying in this, and we'll put it on the screens because it's kind of a bit of a topsy-turvy quote here, but Paul teaches this, that in spiritual battle, if we take this whole shield of faith analogy, okay, if the shield of faith is the thing that's protecting us from the arrows of the enemy, the attacks of the enemy, potentially you might deduce it like this with me, that Paul teaches us that in spiritual battle, our best defense is offense. Follow me here, right? Our best defense is a good offense, And it says that the arrows of the enemy actually have a harder time hitting us when we're moving targets. There was a time in my life when I got so stuck on the whole predestination, free choice thing in college. There was these people that were down in my dorm and they're having this debate and it got me stuck into it and I couldn't decide which one I I favored. And so I just like locked myself in the door. I mean, it's like, God, I don't even know who you are anymore, dude. And Lord, I just need to go get, go get some like, you know, books and read a whole bunch of stuff about, you know, commentaries and understand this thing. It's like, and if I don't understand this thing, I'm not ready to move. I'm just going to stay here. And once you build my faith by me being by myself, all by himself, not talking to anybody else, then I'll be ready to move for you because I can't move until I know what you're about. But the Bible tells faith is so different from that. Actually, faith is moving when you don't know the answer. And oftentimes the best thing you can do to build your faith is not stick in the corner and try and figure it out. It's just to take a next step of what he's already said to do. The Bible says if you hear his voice, then follow it. Don't harden your heart. So maybe your best theology lesson is calling your father and having a hard conversation rather than sitting in the corner and reading about systematic theology. It's the movement of faith. It's moving. It's it's always obeying his voice that keeps our faith alive. Faith isn't a, a... Analytical project, faith is an action step of responding to a relational God speaking to you. If you know something that he's asking you to do, you might not know nine other things, but you know the one thing, then take a step on that and watch as the enemy's darts fall off of you. It's harder to hit a moving target. It's easy to hit you when you're sitting there sad, lonely, confused, doors closed, not access to anybody's life, not being vulnerable, not being transparent. It's easy to hit you then. But when you're moving, when you're, when you're talking to people, a lot of times the, the problems that you're anxious about at 9.30 at night before you lay in bed, you wake up at 6 and you're like, oh, that wasn't even as big a deal because I'm moving, I'm in, I'm in motion, I have action. Verse, uh, I don't know which verse this is, but I'll read it and we'll catch up. The last point that I have here is that take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Lastly, he says, to put your mind um, on salvation. I want to tell you guys this morning, if you don't know, already know this, this is dangerous uh, news, but it's good news at the same time. It's dangerous news. Dangerous for the enemy, dangerous for your world, dangerous in the kingdom of God is that the blood of Jesus Christ, the salvation, his atonement 
has been so finally and providentially established in your life, if you trusted him as your Lord and Savior, the blood of Jesus has saved you so much so you can't do anything to win or lose his approval. So I want you to to take that to the bank of your heart, and I want you to really let that sink in for a second. You can go home today, and you don't have to do anything else for the rest of your day. You don't have to do anything. We talked about this a little bit in equipping environments. We're powerful people. We choose to do what we want to do. You don't, you're free. The Bible says in Galatians, it's for, it's for freedom that Christ set you free. He, he, didn't, he didn't pay you something to earn it back. He, he gave it to you for free. You can do whatever you want with your gift, with your life. You're completely free. You're not obligated to read anything. You don't have to show up here ever again. You don't have to go to Bible. It doesn't make you any better. It's not, it's not changing. That, we have to get this established in our mind. And this is why I think he, he ends on this, is that we've got to have the mindset of salvation. We can't do anything unless we started from the place of, I can't earn it. Nothing I'm doing right now is earning me anything. I'm not obligated. And here's why this is important, because some of you guys are thinking, I would go off the deep end. Oliver, you don't know me. If I don't have disciplines and duties in my life, I would just go off the deep end. I'd be crazy. I need to set myself boundaries. Well, boundaries are good, but Legalism is even worse than not having boundaries, in my opinion. It does more danger to your life and sucks strength out of your life. So here's what I, I would rather propose to you. Probably go home on the, on the couch. Go sit on the couch. Tell yourself, you don't have to do anything. And then ask yourself this question, which is even more powerful. What do you want to do? What do you really want to do? You really want to just escape life and just kind of go hit the bottle, just go do whatever you want to do, go be irresponsible, live free? I mean, you might find God out there. I mean, that's, that's kind of what happened with the prodigal son. But this is real theology. He's not joking around and saying, well, I'll tell you you can have freedom until you do something really crazy, and then I'm going to smack you upside the head. He's like, you're free. You're free to go. You're free to do what you want to do. You can choose into me. And you never see Jesus chastising, manipulating, you know, pushing somebody, putting somebody at the, the, the rich young ruler. He said, you can follow me this way. And the rich young ruler walked away. You know what Jesus did? Nothing. He throw a, a hissy fit. He's not there insecure as though the, the guy doesn't love him. Now Jesus is going to lose his place of identity. He didn't chase him. And that makes us nervous because freedom, we want a law. We're like, tell me what I can do so I know that I'm in good standing with you. He's like, I don't have laws. I just have love. You know what's going to happen when you sit on the couch and you put restore yourself and you ask yourself, what do you want to do? You know, he's the one that knew me. He's the one that loves me. Why would I go this way with these people that don't know me, don't love me, when I could go this way when this person really does love me? It's written inside of our hearts with the Holy Spirit and, 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 and put onto our, 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 it's sealed within us is what the Holy Spirit says that we're direction towards him, not because we have to, because we want to go there. And here's what the power of salvation can do between your ears. When you really let your head sink in that you don't have to do anything, there's no obligation in Christ, there's only joy. This is what happens to you. Salvation will set us free if we let it. It will set us free from the life of duty and obligation. I have to, I gotta get up, I gotta go to work, I gotta go do this with my kids, because if not, then God's gonna be angry at me, or he's really at least gonna be upset. He's not gonna send me into hell, but he's gonna be upset with me, okay? There's this obligation life, and in salvation, it sets us free from it. You know how much strength it gives you when you know you're free to follow him? You're free to follow him because he's the best thing, not because you have to, because you get to. You're free to follow him, and so your obligation, your duty turns into passion, And everybody knows that passion is all you need for strength. You can be on three hours of sleep and have passion and be ready to run. It's the the obligation, the stress, the anxiety, the fear that I'm not good enough, I'm not adding up enough, that this is never going to be enough. That's the thing that makes you tired, not his commands. His commands are joyful because they're rooted in love. So give yourself strength today. Give yourself strength this week by following him because you want to, not because you have to.
and watch how much the gospel and the things that he's asking you to give itself strength as you follow him freely, not under obligation. I used to have this friend of mine. Uh, his name was Ryan Thomas. He, uh, he, was, he was about 16 years old and he weighed 275 pounds. He was massive. He played every single sport. He played football. He played basketball. They wouldn't let him play tennis. He was a little bit big for that. But he played basically every sport. He played every sport. He wasn't like great at it. He played every sport. You know why? Because that dude was massive. He sent me to the chiropractor one time after a screening roll because he screened me while I wasn't even watching him from the point guard position. He, I fell down like a little child. It's like we don't need a better plan. We need a position with God because when we're with God, there's a strength that comes in us. We don't need to have a better thinking idea or strategy or plan. It's like, let's get with God and the strength of the Lord comes into our life and watch how marriage just works itself out. Watch how if, if you have the strength of the Lord, how nothing can stand before you. I'm not saying we don't have wisdom and things that we need to take care of and responsibility, but we have no chance of those responsibilities unless we're girded by the strength of the Lord, by the full armor of God, by faith. And so instead of sending you home today with like 15 points of things that you should watch out and look for, there's really one thing that I see in verse 18 that's going to tie this thing up together, that's going to give us some practical handle of how we respond to this passage. And I'm actually going to invite the band to come up as we close in some ministry time actually this morning, which we don't usually do. But this is what I believe all of this is telling us to do in the real world, not like the analogous kind of you know, faith and armor and King, King Camelot and all this kind of stuff. Like what does it look like on Monday Verse 18, it says, I want you to, listen, I want you to pray with all this understanding. This is, this is the action step. I want, you to, I want you to pray in the spirit. This is what it looks like to be strong in the Lord. Prayer doesn't come from learning. It doesn't come from, you know, studying. It doesn't come from necessarily even friendship. It, that, that comes, strength comes from that. But the, the best place, the premier place, the one place you're always going to find strength is in prayer. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, all types of things, you bring it to him in prayer. With his mind, with this in mind, be alert and always be praying for the Lord's people. This is the quote you'll have on the screen. Our greatest battles are spiritual, and therefore our greatest weapon is always prayer. We need the strength of the Lord to be soft-hearted, tender-hearted, but tough-skinned. We need to be, we need to be soaked and steeped in this place of prayer. This is what prayer is. Prayer is, listen, where I lay down my burdens. And I pick up his strength. This is where the only battle is won. This is, this is where marriages are, are, are healed. This is, where, this is where peace comes. This is where truth comes. This is where my real solution is. It's not in the credit card. It's not in the healing necessarily. It comes in prayer. It comes in the place where I lay down my burdens and then I pick up his strength again. I pick up his strength My friend Sam told me that a great way to not have to pack on vacation is get a hotel next to a Walmart because you can just buy whatever you want. A good way to be strong even when you're weak and even when you're tired is get next to him because he's strong and he has everything that you need. So you don't even have to pack and know what to pack at a time. He's, he gives you a, a, this place of strength. And I'm going to close today in a ministry moment. We haven't done this before. As long as I've been here, we might, we might be doing it more. But I want to pray. I want to do this. I want to pray together. Because if you've been listening to any of this, we need his mind on this thing. We need his eyes on this thing. The battle is not won and lost by a smarter plan. It's by more of his presence. It's more of his access in the culture, in the government, between the ears. In our heart, we need truth. This is when we really do get set free. The, the, the substance, the drugs, the phone, it's not gonna, it gives us relief, but it never gives us recovery. 
It's never going to give us strength. It's only in the place of truth where I relationally lay down my burden and pick up his truth in my life that I'm actually going to start to find victory. That's what you're needing. That's what you're waiting for. I want to tell you wherever you are, if you know Jesus, don't know him, if you've been walking over a long time, your, your problem is not your problem. You being in his presence is the prerogative here. This is where we're headed here. Is we, need to, we need to win this battle on the inside, not on the outside. If we win on the inside, we're downhill. It's, it's a foregone conclusion. We'll, we'll always win. He's undefeated. He will always win. I promise you, somebody that is strong in the Lord has no obstacles in their life that can't be overcome with, with prayer. I want to invite you to stand, and this might be asking you to go out of your comfort zone. I want to give you complete freedom if this is you, if you're not interested or comfortable in this, to just be prayerful in your own. But I'd love for you guys to stand, everybody. Um, and we're going to kind of pair up and try something here. And, uh, and, then, and then Taylor's going to lead us in, in just some worship. But on this next slide, just a couple of things. I want us to gather from one another these circumstantial things that are really invitation for spiritual strength. This invitation for an upgrade. This invitation to go where Lola goes for her problems. Okay, prayer is where I lay down my burdens, I pick up his strength. Is there anyone anxious as you gather? Is there anyone anxious, anyone sick, or anyone needing Jesus in their life? One of these is hopefully, one of these is true, I'm sure, because they all cover all parts of life. As you bring this thing up, I just put a template on the screen. And this is how we're going to pray. Jesus, I'm thankful. We want to start with his character because his character is where his strength is. I'm thankful that this is true in, in, in this person's life that you're the savior, that you're the provider, you're the one that's a fountain of wisdom, you're the one who answers every call, you're the one that illuminates the steps, you're the one that has wisdom, you're the one that sets new mercies, that kind of thing. Like, thank him for who he is, his character. We're going to root our prayer in thankfulness. We're going to go thankful in identity. We're going to talk about, we're going to pray for this person, just thankful that this person is who you say that they are. Like, what I needed to hear on that basketball day was, this person is kept in your hand when it comes to his integrity, his authority, and his respect. Nothing that anybody can say can challenge who he is. That's what I needed to hear, and that's what we bless in Jesus' name to each other. And lastly, if there's anything that we can ask of him, Jesus, I ask that you would do this in our circumstance, okay? So I'm thankful you are, I'm thankful they are, and I'm asking you would. That's the format for our prayer. We're just going to play some music, and then Taylor, would you lead us as we kind of close up? But we want to pray, thankfully, with two or three people for two or three minutes, if you're just by yourself, that's fine. You can just pray unto the Lord, answer these questions, be reflective, whatever it is that you want to do. But if you have it uh, in your will that this might be helpful for you or you have something you'd want to offer to somebody else, I would love for you guys to gather as a family, just two or three in an intimate space and be thankful. Invite him into the, the, the conversation and watch how his strength wins your battle, which will change the circumstance, but not out of order from the inside out. That he's going to do an inside job, that he's going to do something big in your life and he's going to, he's going to, he's going to bring you in with burdens and send you out with truth and send you out with trust. So Jesus, we thank you, God, for the ministry of the saints, that you have given us free access, easy access to come to you and find strength that we need. The strength's not in what we can do. The strength is in you, and the real battle is always won and won in this moment. Thank you for immediacy in the delivery of your strength. Not necessarily the victory in the battle, but the victory of strength in our life. And so we thank you that you're gonna minister and give us something we don't have from a place we've never really seen with our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please subscribe and leave us feedback on our iTunes channel. For more information about our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc. Thanks again for exalting Jesus with us.